Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 183 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks for being here. Before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to read another listener review. The subject of this review is inspirational guests, five stars, making me smile already. Uh, It's left by The Gulliest Savage. Nice name. I like that. The review says, I have listened to just two episodes and already I'm hooked. The quick interview process lends itself to much more in-depth answers than most design podcasts. Other design podcasts focus more on the host and not the guest. Man, that's cool. I appreciate that. Thank you, The Gullia Savage. Thank you for leaving that review. Makes me smile. Makes me feel good. But most of all, it's just nice to know people are listening. (laughs) It's nice to know people are listening. Today's guest is Adam Moore. You also might know him uh, on Instagram as Harold Apples. He's he's kind of a big deal on Instagram, Harold Apples, that guy. He is a designer and also the founder of National Dry Goods, a sweet little tangible product store. During this episode, we talk about his intro to design through that band culture, designing posters, designing album covers, and that caused him to fall in love with design. He moved on into marketing and print design and actually had a stint at the Lonely Planet as well. His dad actually worked in printing at a print shop since he was about 16 years old. And as a youngster, a young lad, Adam would go to the print shop with him. Adam's dad was also a stripper. A stripper in the print shop. Like, it's an old print term. Anyways. We also talk about how Adam was introduced to Shepard Fairey's work and how that influenced him early on in his career. Talk about agency life and why it was a challenging time for Adam. And uh, gosh, what else do we get into? This is jam-packed, guys. This is a loaded one. Talk about how he got in over his head and uh, got out of his wheelhouse and the trouble that that caused him. Talk about the National Dry Goods starter story, where that idea came from and what they've got cooking over there. And this it, by complete fluke and no planning at all. Um, yesterday, Sunday, was Grammy Sunday, Grammy weekend. And uh, right near the end of this episode, Adam tells us about the band design project that he was the creative on, why he's so proud of it, and how a Grammy nomination actually came from it. Man, what a... That's fantastic. Unplanned, but serendipitous nonetheless. Ladies and gentlemen, enough of me talking. Sorry, I'm rambling. Let's get to it. Our wonderful guest, gem of a gentleman, Adam Moore. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Adam, welcome to the Quickie Podcast, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for making the time in our busy schedules here. No worries. I first got to ask, are you ready for a quickie? I'm ready. Perfect. I'm ready. Now I'm going to start with the hard question. So brace yourself. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. 
Oh, all right. Um, well, um, Adam Moore, um, known as Harold Apples online on Instagram and Dribble and whatnot. Um, been in the arts, been a creative most of my life. Uh, was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Kind of lived all over. Got my start in design, kind of through music and bands. And uh, recently made uh, recently made the transition from being primarily a print designer and a creative director to being more of a uh, web uh, product designer. And I'm currently working for um, um, a company called Vecteasy. Easy. Um, you, if you've been a designer for any amount of time, you've probably used them free uh, stock vector artwork. So, so I'm doing product design for them right now. Awesome. How'd that gig come up? Um, I, I came up through friends. I had uh, some friends, a good, a good, a good buddy named uh, Matthew Wilson, who's a really amazing illustrator who was working for them doing custom illustration like every day. Um, and he told me about the need. And I was at the time working as a creative director for a company called Lonely Planet. Mm-hmm. That's a travel, a travel company. Yeah. Uh, and their head office is in uh, Nashville now. And I was kind of looking. We, me and my wife, had, had some kids, and that was a pretty intense job. We had offices all over the world, and uh, I was kind of looking to take a different direction with my career. And mm-hmm. kind of, I was managing like seven people, and uh, it was kind of taking its toll. And so I kind of wanted to do something that was a little more singular. I can't even say that word singularly focused. Yeah, and, uh, and just uh, foc- <laughs> focus on the focus on the family and. Do we and we have some friends, a lot of friends actually, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and we kind of want to get closer to our home base. Yeah, for sure. So you were in Lonely Planet working there for a while, started feeling looking for a change, and then the opportunity came up to go to where you're at now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I took it because Bowling Green is a small town, and there's not much going on here. And I mean, and, and that opportunity is a really cool one. They the CEO uh, Sean Rubel is a really interesting guy, and I feel like they're doing a lot of really cool things there adding new content type soon and they just have a really broad reach all over the world. They've been doing their thing for a while mm-hmm. and I uh, got in a good time. I think we're making some interesting changes to be, become a pretty cool little, little stock site. Very cool. And you said you were a, a print designer formally, like that was sort of where you started. That was your home base. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my career has been, been in print. I got started um, kind of in Nashville. I went to school in Bowling Green, Kentucky, at a school called Western Kentucky mm-hmm. University. And uh, shortly after that, moved down to Nashville and ended up, I, I was in a bunch of bands back in the day nice. and I had, a, I had a lot of friends in music. And so I kind of cut my teeth in design, uh, doing album covers and posters and just free work for friends and ended up doing a bunch of album covers for a few labels down there. And that was really kind of what I got my start. And uh, yeah, the music, and, and that was right, I feel like that was right near the end of there being like a lot of money in album covers because <laughs> like, it was uh like i i left uh i left bowling green started doing that i think like 2002 you know and napster just happened like what like 2000 or something and so mm-hmm. there was still a decent amount of money in design for t-shirts and and uh album covers and things like around that time but quickly quickly that dried up and the labels i, I were working i was working for just the budgets kept getting smaller and smaller it was really fun work and i'm really appreciative of it but that sort of um after that, I, I, I kind of transitioned to, into the agency world, started to, got into marketing after that, and, and my career went a million different places. But yeah, around, I guess it was probably like 2003, 2004 was like when I kind of got out of the music stuff, but I really had fond, fond memories of that time. It was pretty awesome. 
So really, the industry just kind of faded away and just became something that you didn't want to, want to be a part of, and that's when the marketing and other design rules came into it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I was really young too, and so I wasn't getting paid a lot to do that kind of stuff, and uh, I got married around that time too, and so mm-hmm. money became more of a, a thing that I was interested in. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we, me and my wife moved to Texas. She's from Austin, and I, I went my first like real like serious design jobs at an agency was in Colorado, mm-hmm. and that was sort of like I feel like that was kind of. I feel like the music stuff was like my formative years. Like that's what like made me fall in love with design, you know, working with musicians and artists and whatnot. But then like my Colorado years at agencies was, was really like when I learned like how to be like a, you know, a traditional designer. Like we did lots of, uh, the first company I worked for did a lot of, um, marketing for hotels Mm -hmm. and like luxury hotels. And so we do these like beautifully printed brand books for them and like brochures to them were like, not what you think of as a typical brochure. They'd have, you know, embossments and, you know, spot varnishes and foils and all that. Speaking and so that's where language. Yeah. And so that was like, that was a really fun time because budgets were like some of these hotels we worked for, like budget was not an issue at all. We would do like, I remember we had a couple of projects where what they called a brochure, you would look at and be like, Oh, that's like a novel. Like it was just like a, they'd make brochures because they, they'd have like a, a VIP list of like 50 people and so they'd make these, they, they'd spend like a hundred bucks a piece to make like these beautiful books to send to like George Clooney, um, nice. to try to get, try to get their business or get them to buy like a timeshare or something like, I don't know, I don't, George Clooney's not buying a timeshare. I don't know why I said that, but he's, he's buying, like, <laughs> buying the place. But, uh, but yeah, so it was, it was fun. Like, I feel like you don't, these days, especially you don't print is like, unless you're doing something specialty, you know, those budgets aren't really there. Yeah, you know, I'm so I'm in the print industry and I do a lot of work with printers and it um it's evolved definitely from every year companies printing their entire product list with item numbers and pictures and everything like that, those boring catalogs mm-hmm. to now like you're saying bespoke pieces, beautiful things that are a lot closer to artwork, these tangible brand um pieces rather than a product list. Yeah, which is I mean, it's fun for designers. It, I think it probably kind of sucks for printers uh, because there's just, you know, there's like my, my dad actually grew up and he's been a printer since he was like 16 years old. And he nice. literally start, he started in a newsroom before they transitioned away from setting type and plates on a, you know, to, to print. Wow. And so he's seen the entire, the entire transition from, you know, letterpress all the way to full digital. And so like he was telling me just a couple of weeks ago, we were together uh, for Thanksgiving and he was saying that um, when he, when he was doing pre-press for the first time, he was in a shop with like 50 guys and now he, he does like three or four times the amount of pre-press work with like him and like three other people. It's incredible um, what technology's done to it. Yeah. And so it's like, you pretty much, I feel like it's heading to a place where you have like, there's like strictly digital or like you said, full on beautiful, the, you know, the most beautiful stuff you could imagine with like lots of finishes and letterpress and interesting finishing. Yeah. There's definitely a lot more thought being put into what is being printed and what makes the most sense to be printed. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now most of the things that used to be printed do not need to be printed, you know, whatsoever. Like you said, catalogs, Yep. got the internet. Yeah, absolutely. But you print is an amazing tool to drive people to it and to mm-hmm. give them a, a amazing first impression 
of your brand before they even arrive on potentially needing your product. So yeah, and it has like the yeah, it's got like I feel like print now all of a sudden has kind of like the um the outcome that it always kind of intended, you know, it's a physical object. And so way back in the day to get a printed book, like was something special. And now it's like, it has that intended effect again yes. because, and so it's, so it still has that desired effect, I guess. Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, so we touched on it a little bit through uh, our conversation so far. I want to dive into your childhood a little bit here. Um, I want to hear if you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you down this career path. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like I, I did. Like my parents were super supportive of like, I, I don't know. I mean, like most kids, I, I drew from like a really early age, but like my, my mom especially really picked up on that and, uh, put me in like specialty art classes from since I, I mean, since I was a little bitty kid and I ended up going to like a, a special art school in middle school. And then I went to like an art magnet school, um, in high school. So I've really been thinking of the arts as a career from a really early age somehow it's like i, I think i kind of took it for granted but yeah because of my mom like she always had me involved in the arts so she um, saw that within you and just sort of steered you in that direction yeah she she noticed that my drawings of mario brothers were really good <laughs> and the teenage mutant ninja turtles and yeah. you nailed the accuracy look at, look at mario's mustache he is in <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, so I, have, I think I have heard a credit for it. And they got me involved in arts and music um, from a pretty early age. Mm -hmm. So do you think your dad being in printing um, rubbed off on you at all through those times? Yeah, definitely. Like when he, when I was uh, young, he would even take me to the shop. And back when everything was, I forget what it's called now, they were all, everything was the red films. Um, I remember hanging out in his print shop and like cutting films, cutting designs out and film and like, him, he would like shoot it for me on the whatever that big machine was that would shoot the film mm -hmm. and make, make like a, an extra negative out of it and we'd print some things from it for fun so I don't even remember what the process was that I was doing back in the day it's whatever those red um, those red films were yeah like you were a stripper this, yeah he was he yeah that was his title he was a stripper for <laughs> uh, that was the joke yeah he was a stripper from probably like the I guess that whenever the entire duration of when that was a job title that you could have, I guess from like the sixties you know, to the, to the nineties. Yeah. There was a few years where that was cool. Yeah. And he, um, and he, uh, like because he was in printing got me and like, he got me Photoshop when it was like, I don't know, before there were layers. Like he had, he bought a, a Mac power book at her house and, and got Photoshop uh, from his work and had me working on Photoshop from like, I don't know what it was 2.0 or whatever it was when it became kind of commercially viable. But I remember using it before it had layers, which is a pretty darn early version of Photoshop. I think Wow, so way back when it was first a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's just like when I think of Photoshop, it's like I've literally been using that like a hammer, you know, for like my whole life. It's second nature. That's awesome. So it just comes naturally. Um, Adam, what stands out to you as the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you just, you saw and has just stuck with you. Oh, of my life. Um, uh, let's see an actual, and oh man, that's a, that's a rough one. Influential, like a, like an art piece. It could be an art piece. It could be even a, a direct mail that arrived and just flicked a switch for you. But you know what? Um, 
is there something that flicked that design switch or just really inspired you in a certain direction or something that you still think of? Oh man, you know, if, like when I, when I first started getting into design, design, like I was probably in, uh, I know I was in high school because the, the school I went to was uh, really pushing kids towards, towards design because it was like a new thing at the time. It was mm-hmm. like, if you want money in the arts, I'm a graphic designer. And I remember, um, I remember I had some skateboarder friends who like introduced me to Shepard Ferry. Oh, wow. And, like the Obey sticker, yeah, you know, and yeah. I remember seeing like the Obey sticker for the first time and being like, oh, this is, that's graphic design, I guess. That's cool. And kind of, I don't know, that skateboarder culture in the beginning, even though I was not a skate skateboarder, I had a lot of friends that were, and like all the design uh, related to skateboarder culture was really fascinating to me at the time, and which pulled me into punk rock and all the types of music that I listened to back in the day. So, um, I don't know, punk rock? Punk, punk rock. rock. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, now, Adam, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow now? And what is it about them that you like? Um, I, I, if I'm thinking of people that I've followed for, I, you know, I have people that I follow now that I love, like new people that are cropping up, like, um, like I love Lincoln Design. You've seen them. They're powerhouse. And uh, there's a guy um, out in California I follow, uh, Never Made, Francisco Reyes Jr. Yep. Um, he was like a protege of Shepard Ferry, Obey, and so he's got a, kind of a similar aesthetic. He's worked for him for years, and he's got his new thing called Never Made that's really awesome. He's doing a lot of cool work and a lot of work really fast. Like yeah, I feel like he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, as far as someone I've followed for like a long time, like um, I kind of think of the uh, the Clark Brothers over at Invisible Creature. Like I feel like I've followed those guys consistently for probably 20 years since they were doing – they were at a firm called Asterix. They did lots of album covers. Yeah. Uh, follow them got those guys forever uh yeah those are some yeah excellent names yeah those are guys doing great work i didn't was i didn't uh i didn't know that never made sort of had the the background of working with shepherd though yeah he was one of the lead designers at obey clothing very cool yeah i think he still is that's awesome i had no idea um, I want to get into a little bit about print and packaging and uh it sounds like he got a little bit of a background on that um, how have you utilized print and packaging in your design career? Any stories or special projects that you're you're proud of and want to share stories about? Um, man, I mean, mostly, you know, when I was doing most of my, like, I think getting started in music back in the day um, was just where, like, thinking back, when I think of print, like, I think of, I think of those days, like, because there were bigger budgets, we could do some interesting things on, on packaging and since it was closer to the nineties, I feel like the the taste for kind of getting a little crazy with album cover work was still, I feel like the reins were kind of off. Like we could do whatever we wanted to do. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I just, I just sort of learned, I learned a lot about packaging in the, in those days. Um, so yeah, the album, all the album cover work, I can't really think of anything that came out of that period that I would even like think was great that I did. Like it was, that's so long ago. Well, look, most of the stuff I look back on is pretty cringe, cringy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those days, like just doing doing music and doing packaging, and especially like when you're young, and like the idea of like designing album covers is just such a cool thing. And so that that was really special to me. But I don't know, nothing nothing to write home about. So no really like specific one. And when you look back, you're sort of going, yeah, I guess I did that. Um, oh man, oh, man so much, like, <laughs> too much to mention. I, I still have like because I. 
I still have hard drives from that era, and I dropped, I dumped a bunch of old stuff like on Dropbox recently, and I was going through it, and I was like, why am I even saving this? This is, this is horrible. Oh man, and it's good to look back though. It's good to look back and sort of see where you started, see what where you started to cut your teeth in it. It definitely makes you feel better about the the present. <laughs> you gotta embrace the process. <laughs> So Adam, the next few questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out of you and share those with the listeners. And then I'll turn it around and we'll end in a happy place. Cool? Sounds good. What has been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, I, would, I would say definitely uh, the agency life period. Um, agent. If you've ever worked for an agency, uh, it's just rough. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of young designers. There's a lot of money involved, but I, I think it, it's it's rough because when clients get, there's always this pressure that if a client gets dropped or you don't get the next big project, then you know that they just have a lot less money to play with, and you know heads have to leave. And uh, I just remember we would spend so much time on. Um, on, on work to try to get the job. Like mm-hmm. we'd spend, we'd spend months, you know, putting together a package to try to get a job and then we wouldn't even get the job. And I look back at my time spent and I'm like, how much money did we spend, you know, trying to get this job is insane. Um, but yeah, and the hours involved too, it was right. That, that period of my life was right after I got married. And so we went right from kind of having a, I feel like a loose and a loose and fun, youthful marriage to mm-hmm. where I'm working like, four, you know, felt like 18 hours a day you know, working till it's, it's nighttime and then trying to stay up and do freelance too. It was just real. It was like, I'm, I'm endeared to that period of my life cause I learned so much, mm-hmm. but looking back, looking back on it, it was a pretty rough, pretty rough time. Yeah, so what are some of the lessons that you pulled from that? Oh man. Uh, just make sure that what you dedicate yourself to, like, I think, I think I learned that whatever I'm going to dedicate myself to is going to be something, it needs to be something that I, that is going to push me to what it, a place that I, I want to be and is right needs to be right for me at the time. Like the last few moves that I made have been kind of about, about getting to a place where I, I think me and my family need to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was, I, th- I mean, I think it was probably fine cause I was young. It's like trial by fire. Everyone needs that. Everyone needs to know what it, yeah, I got to go know. out there, figure it out, take a few, you know, trip up a little bit, learn some lessons. Yeah, but that yeah, that life is definitely not for me, and I will not be going back there unless I'm running the agency. Yeah, there you go. Well, I think your hours will be similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> I want to get a little bit more specific now with this next one. Can you tell us about a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Sure. Um, r- most recent case of that, I mean, I've got plenty of those in my Rolodex of bad things I've done. But, um, and most recently I, I got probably one of the most high profile clients I've ever, I've ever had the ability to nag, um, nab, nag, not nag, nab. And, uh, and, uh, super excited about it. And I, they wanted, um, it was, I'll say it was an alcohol, it was an alcoholic beverage company. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but, The, the project was, they liked my style, but they, the, what they really wanted was something kind of out of my wheelhouse. Um, and I took it anyway. 
Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a mistake in hindsight. And I spent a lot of time trying to take what I do and make it a, and just sort of make it applicable to what they really wanted. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it just, it just did not work out. We spent a lot of time spinning our wheels and then they ultimately, you know, gave me a kill fee and passed on to another designer. Okay. So what was the, what did you learn through that process? I think don't, uh, I mean, I've, I've gotten in over my head plenty of times in my career, mm-hmm. but at this, at this stage of my career, I feel like I know, I know this, the style that I'm, that I lean towards that I'm good at. And I feel like that this one was a little bit of a stretch. And so like, I'm at this point in my career, I really want to limit myself to things that I know that I'm going to excel at. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I don't want to like challenge myself, but I don't know, you kind of, you know, when something's like, not your not your cup of tea and i felt like i could make i knew this wasn't my cup of tea from the beginning but i thought i could make it make it my flavor of tea and in the end <laughs> they didn't they did not want my flavor of tea in the end you thought you'd be able to add a little peppermint to it and make it yeah. make it yours no they just wanted a um mint or whatever i couldn't i can't think of another tea name <laughs> i wanted lady I wanted lady gray there you go <laughs> so out of that though, what I what I heard you saying, what I found interesting is, you know, even though you couldn't arrive on a design that really nailed what they were looking for, they still paid up. They paid a kill fee. They paid, you know, obviously to get started, and they didn't make that part difficult. Yes, that's yeah, rare. It is. It is rare. Um, and I've tried. I try to do that more now. Um, I feel like if you're a little more established and you're a little more upfront about what you do in the beginning, you can leverage more deals like that, especially like, um, especially these days. Like I I really, like I would have never got that kind of deal earlier in my career because when you're young, you're just like, yeah, I'll do anything. I'll try to make this look like whatever you want. Um, But now, yeah, you just have to be upfront and be like, you know, these are the rounds of revisions I'll do. This is, this is what I, this is what I do. And if, if we, these are the stages in which we can, we can break off this relationship if it's just not working out. Mm-hmm. And this is the higher profile company and they had, they had some money, uh, to, to throw around. So they were willing to go a little bit of the ways with me before they, before they cut it off. Mm-hmm. Now that's the, at least, you know, you couldn't, you guys didn't arrive on a final artwork spot, but you at least leave with, you know, a good taste in your mouth about the, the interaction. Yeah, I've got folders and folders worth of artwork and a little bit of money. So there you go. That was not <laughs> my um, wife's done with it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, what is something you're struggling with right now in your design career? Uh, in my design career, I mean, I'm probably like next direction. Like I like I said, like I'm doing product work for most of the, like my my free time and my day job is very different, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like is not really common for a lot of designers. Like I'm doing mostly illustration work at night and strictly web product design during the day. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love both aspects. Like I love, I love my job. I love what we're doing at Vecteasy, but I still have this niche for kind of branding and packaging that I'm doing at night. And I'm also splitting my time. I'm trying to be a little bit of an entrepreneur with um, a website I run called national dry goods uh, where we sell, you know, ephemera and, um, apparel and t-shirts and hats and all kinds of stuff and so i'm kind of cutting my teeth as an entrepreneur and i throw my illustration work in there sometimes but yeah i'm kind of my life is kind of decided uh divided between product work and illustration work and i haven't really decided where um which one's long term for me or if or if this path of doing both is fine is a long-term strategy i don't know 
Mm-hmm. So you kind of got three things going on right now. You got the national dry goods, you know, entrepreneurial venture. You've got the freelance illustration gig, and then you've got the day job. Which one is making you smile the biggest right now? Oh man, um, I don't know which one makes me smile. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, I think my day job, honestly, because the having kids, um, having kids makes working at night a lot less fun. Yes, um, I agree. Not not their fault, but I like I when I'm home, I like spending time with my kids. Yep. And so for the first time in like my freelance career, like working at night has become a little bit of a drag. And so I've found myself putting a lot more energy into my day job and the product work. So that's um But yeah, I know, kind of it's weird. It's like I'm in a much more family focused like period in my life mm-hmm. whereas like if you ask me like what what do i smile about it wouldn't be any of the work that i do it'd be family time that i'm trying to sort of build up and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know but uh i think my day job the product stuff is fun i'm really enjoying because it it's so new to me it's um it's, it's a whole lot of fun for sure definitely and you have kid or kids kids i've got a i've got a six-year-old and a almost two-year-old awesome such fun ages i have three i have an 11 year old a nine-year-old and eight-year-old oh man that's pretty close together yeah, yeah, we had the first one and said, "Well, we might as well get her done." <laughs> yeah, then yeah, I feel like we might have one one more in us. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, it'll take two to figure that one out. Yeah, I feel like the early years though, like I feel like, well, cuz uh, you know, our two kids are a little spaced apart, and by the time my son was 4, I felt like I had gained my nights back again. Like I was really getting into doing a lot more freelance work again. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, he's sleeping at night, waking up in the morning. You know, he's not a baby anymore. He's not crying. But then we had another baby. And so I feel like I'm just now kind of coming out of baby stage again. Yeah. And um, so I, I feel like I'm seeming – like I, I feel a little pessimistic about like, like my nighttime design career. But I feel like I'm actually about to probably come out of that, that stage and flourish once more. Very good. Yeah, we have, so like the last time I had a baby was eight years ago. And my cousin and his wife just had a newborn like a couple of days before Christmas. And we went over to visit over the holidays and holding like a little baby again for the first time in like eight years nearly. It's it's such a weird feeling. Because you're used to having like these older kids that you can, you know, occasionally throw in a playful headlock. And then you have this like little thing where you're like, careful with the neck just i don't know it's just there's a few minutes of you know trying to remember how do you do this again what what's the right way yeah there is no way to to understate like how much energy and time and like how much your life changes when you have a little baby Mm -hmm. because you just don't you don't know what to do especially on your first one you're just like it's like someone just handed you a a grenade with the pin pulled out and you're like i don't know what to do with this thing i just have to (laughs) look, look at it yeah, just hold uh, it. Okay, just don't make noise. That's it. Just, just, just what I do. And yeah, until I feel like, for, uh, and both of our kids didn't sleep in the beginning. And so it took us, like each each kid, it was like a full year before I did anything, you know, for myself. You start to come out of the fog. Eight, eight o'clock. Yeah, most definitely. Um, tell me a little bit about National Dry Goods. I meant to get into that a little bit more when you first mentioned it. Um, but where did that idea come from and when did it start and, and what's your sort of, how's it going? Where's it going? Well, uh, well, I'm trying to decide where it's going. Um, where it started was um, I did, I started designing a deck of cards a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. I started throwing like the process up online. It was getting some really good reception. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were asking about it and um 
guy named um, Jonathan Baim who runs a company called Theory 11. Uh, they make really beautiful uh, playing cards, all letterpress, um, with from a shop called Studio on Fire. I think yeah. they're in Minneapolis. Just be- some of the most beautiful playing cards you've ever seen. Probably the most beautiful playing cards you've ever seen. And uh, he approached me about uh, doing a collaboration on the deck. And the name of the deck was National. And so we worked on it together. It, it got a lot of attention. And uh, I was at the time, like I've I had been wanting for a few years to do some sort of little, uh, like side brand because, mm-hmm. you know, being like a print designer, like I've worked with vendors my whole career, and so like I know how to make things or I know how to get things made. I actually yeah. don't know how to make anything myself, <laughs> but I know I am really good at talking to other people about making things for me. Yeah. And so like <laughs> really, so I, I, I wanted to utilize that skill, and I, I saw I, know, I just felt like a fun thing to do. And so since I had a bunch of these decks of cards made through Jonathan, um, I was like I really like the name National. I wanted something that just seemed kind of like sterile and timeless, and and so started a brand around the name National. Deck cards was the first product. I had a friend um, named Charlie who runs Lost Lust pins. Uh, they like, make mostly enamel pins, mm-hmm. um, and I did a collaboration with him for a, for a pin. And so, like my first products were like this one enamel pin and this deck of cards, and it somehow got like a decent amount of attention. And a lot of people were writing me about it, and so I teamed up with um, good friend David David Cyphers. He was there from the beginning, actually, and um, he's more of an e-commerce guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, just has a passion for trying to build like online stores, and so he, you know, ships for me, and we collaborate together and everything. Um, and it's just become both of our sort of nighttime side projects. And uh, we release a handful of products every year. Um, well, depending on our like workload and how busy we are, we'll do more here and there. Like this, mm-hmm. like this fall, we did a line of T-shirts um, from some cool designers. Actually, Lincoln Design Company did one. Um, uh, but yeah, we're working on some bigger. We got some bigger things in the hopper, but it takes a little longer than the usual mm-hmm. side hustle just because we're so busy. But yeah, it's just become like this little creative outlet for us. For us, we we don't try. We're trying to grow it super slowly. We don't take any of the money from it. We just put the new money into money we make into new products. That's exciting. So, it sounds really cool. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. It's uh, it's been fun. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna turn the bus around. We're gonna or just wrap up in a couple questions here, but I want to get into some happy things. So, Adam, tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. One that just makes your heart sing. Um, most proud of would probably have to be. I don't know if it's my best design, really, but it was one that we worked on for a long time. Um, a band I was in years ago, we haven't played in probably almost a decade, mm-hmm. um, I put out an album last year, and it was an album that we had worked on on the side for years and years. Um, we'd get together like maybe once a year for like the last seven years and record a little bit like at Christmas time mm-hmm. or share some files. We released an album, and I did the packaging for it, and it was like this like fun cathartic thing like the packaging real like references a lot of things about our past we've all been friends for like over 20 years yeah. but the the album ended up um it got nominated for best packaging grammy for a grammy what? Um, yeah it was the the most insane thing some uh, some friends of ours that helped us record the the album had won a um Steve had won a grammy for a classical recording and so he was like had the ability to like um submit uh album covers and stuff he helped us record it so he submitted it and it got accepted and and like we all flew out to california for the grammys we didn't win ultimately we got beat by um uh, saint vincent's 
uh, cover from last year. But it was just like this amazing thing where it was just like this really personal project got recognized. And it was like kind of us wrapping up our, you know, tenure together as a band because we yeah. don't we all have kids and don't really play anymore. So this thing we worked so hard on sort of got a got its little day in the sun, which was which was a lot of fun. And you're like rubbing shoulders with like Keith Urban and Jay Z and you know all these um, all these. We, bands. I sat like two rows behind Weird Al. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Could you see through the hair? Were you like, hey, hey, buddy? <laughs> he won. Actually, the funny thing is he he won. Uh, he actually designed his record cover and so the very next category was like uh like limited edition cover or something like that and he won so he won for best designer that year <laughs> weird out the designer out. i gotta get him on the yeah. show then <laughs> technically a designer i guess I, apparently <laughs> adam you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question my friend that is where i have a question for you from my last guest and you have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest i'm not going to tell you who they are but you can ask them anything so my last guest was andrea vanderee and she runs uh she's the co-founder of a branding company in vancouver british columbia called okay dave I love it. I love the name. Yep. And she wanted to ask a age old classic question that for, I would say probably decades has divided households, divided spouses. Okay. How I'm concerned. Yeah. I just don't let your wife listen. Okay. Um, how do you hang your toilet paper roll? Are you an over or are you an under? Um, neither, neither. We have one of those like fancy tube things where it, it goes in sideways. Well, so I, I didn't even anticipate, I didn't even expect that. Yeah, you have to literally plan. pick. Yeah, it doesn't. And so it doesn't even spin off. You have to pick up the roll, hold it in one hand and, and tear some off. So the old fashioned wrap hand, <laughs> classic, <Indeed>. classic maneuver. <laughs> All right. Neutral, safe answer. I like it. Um, Adam, what's the question that you would like me to ask the next guest? Um, how about, since we talked a lot about music, what are you currently listening to? All right. What are you hoping for out of this one? Oh, just uh, something good. Something atypical. I don't know. What, do you, what would you define as bad? What if they, Who's the one artist they could name? And you'd be like, oh, really? If, if it's on the radio. It's on the radio at all. you're not trying hard enough awesome I love it Adam you've reached the end of the quickie podcast man thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it yeah man good talking with you all right thank you so much for listening to today's episode I really appreciate your time tomorrow episode 184 gets up and live come on back see you then bye